This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate players and their potential for future success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And in this week's episode, we're going to start our conference series. We're going to start the best conference, which you should all know, but the conference that supplies the most Debbie value, SEC, SEC. We will be breaking up this conference though into two parts. It's a little bit too big for one episode. I know me and Corey are, we never do shows less than an hour, but we are, we're going to try to cut this one down. <laughs> so we're breaking it down to two halves. And we want to put an emphasis on coaching changes and their impact, Devi assets for each position group, for each team. And we're going to be looking at the long-term and short-term assets here. But first, Corey with the news. We'll start off with some uh, unfortunate news. As uh, an under-the-radar CGC favorite in uh, Oklahoma Sooners commit uh, and freshman wide receiver Keon Brown is going the JUCO route uh, to start his college career off at the Garden City Community College. Um, no concrete evidence as to why exactly, but perhaps a grades thing some people have started to point out there. Um Mike, what do you think that we should be doing with Keon Brown uh, now if you've drafted him already or now approaching some of your drafts? Because this is a guy that that our recruitment team was actually pretty high on, uh, even though he was a little bit lowly ranked. This is tough, uh, but personally, I was I have him on one roster already, and I was looking at my roster, and I just thought to myself, I have some bums that I just can't give up, that maybe I should give up and just hold on to him for one year, see if he hits the portal next year, see if he has a great year at JUCO. Um, and just give him that one year of just see if you can get it together. But uh, I think you can look at your roster and just, you know, individually tell yourself, I can let this guy go. It's okay. Yeah, I think if maybe if your roster is deep enough, maybe you can hold on to him or something. I don't know. If you're drafting him, I'd probably advise you to stop making him a target in your drafts for now. You know, maybe yes, just see what yes. happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's potentially droppable in my eyes if you need the spot or something like that. But I understand trying to keep him as well. Um Let's move over to Auburn running back Jarkes Hunter. He's been suspended indefinitely. You know, there's rumors that he released some kind of video of him. I don't want to say exactly, but having intercourse, I guess, would be the nice way to say this on a, on this platform. Uh, he apparently released it through his own social media, apparently, as well. I didn't see anything. Uh, I didn't really look too hard for it as well, but wow. apparently he put it out himself. Um, <laughs> but Auburn was pretty quick to act, suspended him indefinitely pending further investigation. I know Auburn isn't expected to be a very strong team, but um, what do you think about this situation? And let's just say Jarkus isn't around this year. Is there anybody in this backfield that you're buying? I, I don't know who else is in that backfield. I know you had a guy you liked last year. Was it like Demario Alston? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, freshman last year. Didn't yeah. really do much, unfortunately, but it could, could be a guy to be looked at in this situation now. Yeah, it, the whole program is trying to get back with its feet under itself, so it's hard to really point to anybody because I feel like as a Devi show, no. I'm going to say no right now, but like maybe yeah. maybe for a CFF asset in your campus can leagues, there's there's a hidden gem somewhere in there, but I'm not holding my breath for anybody to pop out for Devi. No, I mean, there was, there was a... St- there was a chance Jarkus Hunter was going to like be this offense this year and might've been like their best offensive player this year. Potentially, you know, like I just had a thought. I'm so sorry. Uh, Day Day Hunter is, I think he changed his name again. So I'm sorry. I don't know his new name, Um, but Day Day Hunter from Liberty. He's still in the portal. Might get a late invite from Hugh freeze over. 
Yeah, it could be somebody or or Jeremiah Cobb, a freshman there as well. Man, I don't know if he's he can possibly get more run or something. He's in some people's top tens for this class as well. But it, either way, it's a situation to watch over there. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Hunter from this. Spend it indefinitely. There's no timeline for this. I don't. He put it out himself, so I mean the evidence is right there. It's a really weird situation. I'm not. I don't really know where that's headed. But um, be weary of of drafting Jarkus Hunter anytime soon. Um, let's go over to the transfer portal. We've got just a few updates uh, for you in this one. We had Jordan Hudson, former TCU wide receiver, headed over to SMU. Um, a guy that we are a little bit lower on as a company last year, but did manage to break some of those year one zero thresholds, which is nice to see. Um, we've got former Michigan State wide receiver Keon Coleman. He's transferred to Florida State, giving them another strong option on the outside, opposite of Johnny Wilson. And then I just wanted to mention that we had we had King Doru, who we don't really. Uh, running back King Doru, who was the lead rusher for Purdue about two years ago. Um, he transferred to Cal and it, it's less about Doru himself and more about Cal continuing to add backs to the backfield. Still maybe not happy with the depth uh, they have there. I know I was talking to you, Mike, uh, before the show, um, you were saying that Jaden Ott is starting to feel a little bit like a trap to you. They keep bringing in players. And I just, I, I think he's going to be one of those guys we debate every single year. Like he's still going to like produce at a certain level Maybe he won't become a better runner down the middle the way we think, well, the way I think of like Will Shipley or, or uh, Donovan Edwards. Um, but I, I think he probably is going to be one of those guys we debate for like four years and NFL draft rolls around and then he's like a six round pick. And we're like, well, there's our answer. But we just spent four yeah. years talking about him. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about some of his efficiencies as a runner, too, really boosted by that big game he had against Arizona last year. But otherwise, outside of that, he wasn't really a super strong rusher last year. And they keep bringing in guys. To me, this might be more about depth, and it might be that I just need to stop ranking Byron Cardwell at all at this point. You know, like, I don't know if they're not happy with him or they're not happy with Justin Williams. Tom is another guy we liked. But either way, it's just looking like a mess in that backfield right now. I'm not really sure where any of those guys are headed. But that will wrap it up for the Transfer Portal updates. Just a reminder that we did just release the Debbie Guide at the beginning of this month. 247 profiles, advanced stats, rankings, year one zero theory, everything you need to attack your drafts this offseason. $20 one-time purchase or become a member with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to this guide as well as our supplemental and freshman guides and the upcoming CFF guide that they're working on right now and access to all our awesome tools that you see posted over on Twitter. So become a member today and get the leg up on all your league mates typically uh we consider ourselves a player analysis show uh, some shows focus on culture some shows just focus on programs themselves um uh, but today i kind of want to well not today actually the whole probably next two months i want to dip more into the importance of coaches and the offensive system that they bring uh, Corey, do you have any like thoughts on just the impact that ocs have on an offense yeah, and I think it's a lot bigger of an impact in college than it is in the NFL sometimes. Because in NFL, we're willing to just say, you know, bet on the talent. The talent will rise to the top in bad situations. And usually that ends up being right. You know, these guys are talented and they climb to the top. But in college, these college coaches, they bring their systems from place to place. Um, and they input guys into the roles that they see from place to place. So you can usually expect similar production sometimes from these players that we've seen in this system previously, you know. Or it, it could even give us some light into potential breakouts in some situations you know like we're talking about a guy like squirrel white heading into um heading into jalen hyatt's role from last year and a potential breakout there and how we're looking at or we're talking about a guy like helen DeBoer bringing his system over to over to washington and everybody there seeing a massive boost in production when they weren't really doing anything you know being bringing michael Penix back to life and making him a potential first round pick so they have such a bigger impact on the college level than they do on the nfl level and it's really important to pay attention to them 
And that's just going to be like a, a little bit of a prelude to this show here. I got to give a special shout out to to loyal listener and always in my DMs, Nate Marquise. Uh, hmm. He writes articles about the coaching changes of every single conference. I'm going to be referencing that the next two months straight. So special shout out to Nate for all those articles he writes. Go check him out on campuscan.com. You can just type in the conference and then type in coaches. And it'll probably be the first thing that pops up. I, I like doing the research, but he already did the research for me. So you're going to see a lot of a lot of quoting on my part for his writing. But <laughs> again, Nate, thank you so much for your writings. Now let's start off with Georgia. So the new OC is Mike Bobo. Previous OC, Todd Munkin, he heads off to the Ravens. Um, but Mike Bobo was a Georgia analyst last year. Auburn OC the year before that. That's not great. Carolina <laughs> OC in 2020, also not great. But 2015 to 2019, Colorado State head coach, where he had a pretty consistent uh, wide receiver one. They're all big men, all ex-receivers. Uh, Rashard Higgins, UDFA, Michael Gallup for two years in a row, um, who's now with the Cowboys. Preston Williams was at UDFA with Miami. All these guys definitely got hype at some point in time in the offseason. Uh, and then you got Warren Jackson, a Felix Sharp favorite. But all these guys in those five years, over a 1,000 yard receivers. So Nate does also know in his articles here that if you look at Auburn and – South Carolina, his primary receiver was from the slot. So takeaways are like maybe there's a wide receiver one here, like a, a focus point, maybe one focus point here. But let's talk about the QB at the start here now. Uh, Carson Beck last week talked about him. I think he's an excellent pocket passer. I think he's a great processor, has clean mechanics. I uh, don't really know how he's going to do out of structure when he gets pressured. Couldn't really see that much in the spring game. So I did release a rankings recently on the main campus Canton page. I had him as my QB five coming into the year. A ton of fantastic stuff around. I mean, great OC, great offense, great offensive line. You know, like it's there's nothing wrong around him. He just has to perform. That's it. Yeah, and I mean, we we talked about him a lot actually over the past couple of weeks, really. And I think that uh, I think he's set up for a nice year. I think what's happened this spring with this position group is that it's very clear that Carson Beck was just a, a bunch of steps ahead of Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift. Vandegrift just to me is just not it. I mean, we saw him in the spring game; he did not look very good. Stockton, you know, is holding onto the ball a bit too long, uh, a lot of rollouts, a lot of they're trying to create easy plays for them. I don't really know what happens with these two guys, especially with you know the commitment of D- Dylan Rayola if he ends. Up sticking with it all the way through when it ends up coming there as well um they're potential transfer candidates honestly like unless unless they feel like they can wait their turn like beck did and become that become that guy because i plummeted both of those guys in my rankings um and i don't think i'm going to be targeting them anytime soon i did too i was a big gunner Stockton fan i can't remember if i had him at qb6 or 7 in the classroom but he was in one of those two positions um but i i liked i thought he could have been a really good rpo type of quarterback uh, yeah but um, maybe he transfers out. We have seen quarterbacks transfer out of high prestige, uh, like colleges and still become Debbie assets. You know, I, I don't really, uh, if he transfers out, I'm looking from the transfer to a, a high end school. And if he doesn't, then yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, well, he's already dropped, but I'll be dropping him even further. <laughs> and then Vandergriff, yeah. man, like this, he just hasn't developed and it's been quite a few years here. I know he was a prior five star, but, um, but he's, he's not a Debbie asset for me, no matter what, probably at this point. Let's head on over to the wide receiver core here. So um, last year's on and off hot name was like Lad McConkley. I don't know, dude. I I don't think he has like a really big NFL skill set here. I'm not really sure anyone here does, except for we did just praise Mike Bobo for at least at Colorado State having a like number one, like that's the guy. And if there is a guy talent-wise in that room that is the guy, I, 
I hate to say this, but I'm probably leaning Dominic Lovett as far as talent goes. Yeah, and then I guess there is something to that as well with the slot and Nate making those notes about um, him him targeting the slots and some of his offenses as well. But given what you talked about, about some of the usage of the boundary wide receivers and the favoring size as well, uh, a guy that we haven't mentioned as well is, is Ra-Ra Thomas coming over from Mississippi State, who we did include in the Debbie Guide, very low in the Debbie Guide. But um, he's going to line up in, in the X position in this offense. Um, he brings good size, 6'2", 200 pounds. I wrote his profile for the Debbie Guide after he transferred from Mississippi State last year. And uh, the hardest thing, if judging players coming from that Mike Leach system, is that everybody is like set in a typical role. Uh, and that's really what, what Rara was over there. He was used. Uh, he wasn't used in a, in a variety of ways. He stayed generally on the outside, uh, ran a number of uh, a select number of routes. Um, and he was really like the go-to guy they threw it up to. He doesn't like always get the most separation, but you know, um, he's really good at those 50-50 balls, strong at the catch point, and, and a surprisingly good release package. I don't know if he's anything special, but he could be the kind of guy that maybe um it, it maybe benefits from from Mike Bobo coming here if he's gonna be attracted to that kind of size or all. Dominic Lovett is a little bit smaller as well. Um, we've talked about how we we've never really been super impressed with his tape. He is going super high right now. Like he's the highest ranked guy in this group right now. Um, and then the only other guy that did get some run in the spring um, has had some buzz this offseason as well uh, is Dylan Bell, the wide receiver there, freshman last year, who did who brings some nice size to the table as well. He was outside the 300 recruits nationally, so he doesn't really fit in those year one zero parameters, but he did beat them anyway. Six one, two hundred and ten pounds, um, almost 200 yards and three touchdowns. So he seems like a pretty decent athlete, got some pretty good usage in that spring game as well. So he could be a bigger part of this rotation going forward as well if he wants that size on the outside. Just looking at the room right now, for me personally, obviously the short-term assets are McConkley and Levitt, and I don't think, for me, for me, and I don't think they're more than day three guys. And then at the long-term, Dylan Bell is the only guy that's been confirmed somewhat successful. And I, at the moment, I'm looking at him as a day three asset as well, too. Um, I'm not out. They're, they're all, all three, I think, are actually ranked for me, so I, at least I'll keep my eye on them. Yeah, it's a tough group to figure out because, of course, they spread the ball around so much. These guys are never really putting up massive numbers as well. I mean, we've got other interesting guys. Arian Smith is still around as well, the guy who won the fastest man competition at the opening camps. Tyler Williams, an interesting freshman from this year. I think he was ranked, like, generally in the top 20 of a lot of a lot of places, but kind of, like, intriguing size, speed profile. You know, uh, Yazid Haynes, uh, a guy, that big wide receiver guy, when he came on our show a few months ago to talk about one of his favorite low recruits as well. So it's just hard to give them the love when they're not producing the numbers we want to see on the field just generally as a program too they just they don't really develop they just find these ultra athletes that somehow make it work and then you're looking at aj green and george pickens who figured out in the nfl but um yeah also uh, they do have less competition now with rosemary getting arrested for his reckless driving today i'm not sure if we mentioned that earlier but uh less competition in the room for the moment I don't know what's going on with the culture over there, but we'll let, we'll let Debbie debate handle that one. Yeah. Sure <laughs> Debbie tomorrow night, that. check into that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's get on to the running back room. Uh, there's a lot of names here. <laughs> so, yes. Um, I don't know who's the one next year. I know we all want the one to be Branson Robinson. He's, I think a consensus top three running back for everyone here in the class mm-hmm. um, at campus can. So obviously we believe he's going to be a pretty major Debbie asset. Uh, Kendall Milton. I know what I'm doing, Kendall Millen. What are you doing, Kendall Millen? 
we, we talked to him before. I've gone back and forth, but where exactly I, I feel he should be ranked at times. He's 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 settling into my early forties right now. He's been he kind of been in the early thirties earlier in the off season, but I'm kind of smartening up a little bit too. But he's been moving around a little bit. That late season surge, it did get me a little bit. Shows flashes like he always does, and makes me buy in again. But like I'm even doing the program five draft right now. Kendall Milton's just sitting right there, and we're like. We're, we're way past like running back 40 at this point. And I'm like, I don't even want him, man. So maybe I need, maybe I need to look at myself more and actually drop him a little bit further. But I just, I still think there's like some kind of path there if he were to just stay healthy. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Yeah. I, I do think George is one of those programs that runs with seniority. So um, let's talk about Dejon Edwards. He came in a little bit last year, uh, looked productive. Did you ever like watch his film at all? I mean, I watch a lot of Georgia ball in general. They're probably the one team I like make an effort to watch every Saturday. And then I usually just watch whatever else is on. But I guess I've never been overly wowed with like Dejon Edwards. And to be honest, I was never really overly wowed with Macintosh either, which is why I'm not so surprised he fell so, so right. low. But he feels like he's like kind of like the new Macintosh. You know, a player who is a good do-it-all guy for a college offense makes your coach happy because you don't make a ton of mistakes. But he just doesn't have that wow factor to me. He doesn't have any like right home mode. He's not super fast. I don't think he's like an exceptional pass catcher. I don't think he's, he runs with exceptional power. I just think he's one of those guys that sticks around a lot in college because he does everything pretty well at this level. Um, and ultimately probably ends up like a super late round pick UDFA at the next level. Yeah, no, uh, nailed it there. I watched a lot of him. I thought out of the group, he's the best pass catching running back. So I could see him filling in that. Yeah. That James Cook McIntosh role next year, hopefully with Branson being the power back, most likely it's going to be Milton unless he's hurt because I think that's just how they run stuff over there. But um, last guy to talk about here, let's talk about the freshman Roderick Robinson. Uh, six foot? Is he six foot two forty? Six foot one two forty or six foot two? Six foot one, I think. Two thirty. Six foot one two thirty. Yeah. Okay, but he hits almost twenty two miles an hour. It's a very elite group, um, but. He goes there over UCLA. I think we would have rather UCLA just because of the opportunity there. But uh, he was, he was a, he, I know he's a top 10 guy for, I want to say he's top five. He, he's another high rated recruit for us here at the company. We're mm-hmm. all very much fans of him, but there's really not much to say. And very clearly, we're not going to be out here saying he's going to be playing over Branson Robinson. So he's more of a, you got to wait and see. Maybe he has some opportunities and some blowouts, um, maybe more close to the end of the year. But um, we're all pretty excited about Roger Robinson as well. Yeah, and the list that Mike is referring to, he he fits athletically being over 230 pounds and almost hitting 22 miles per hour with Saquon Barkley, Bo Jackson, uh, Jordan Howard, Leonard Fournette, and Derrick Henry. Those are all guys with the same athletic profile as him. So that's a pretty elite group. Even Jordan Howard had his run in in, in the NFL. Like if, if that's something, we'd be pretty happy, I guess, if some of our Debbie running backs even were were to produce that much at the NFL level. So um, it, it's a really good list to be on it's a lot of projection with Rodrigo like you're saying it's it, he's a very unfinished product as a runner we even kind of saw that in the spring game um I know it's not the best running for setting back for uh for the best setting for running backs but he did just kind of seem to be like cradling the ball uh um, burring his head into the line a little bit just kind of like running into that line no real flash moments but you know everyone else was injured this spring or kind of out near the end and he got some good reps and some good opportunity to be coached up you know pretty hard by this staff I'm hoping that that kind of leads to maybe some more confidence this season 
Uh, maybe late in the game, close situations, we might seem a little more similar to the way we saw Branson Robinson last year. Um, I, w- I do want to ask you, though, because I don't really know what to do with Andrew Paul anymore. Like, I, I'm I'm guessing uh, for you that you probably just dropped him off your rankings off the earth. But uh, he was still out in this ring, still recovering from the ACL last year. He was a really late climber in, in, high, in uh, high school from that senior season he had. But, again, we just talked about these top-end freshmen they're bringing in. Branson Robinson looks to have possibly hopped him um so i i feel like the only path here um is just if maybe he's the healthiest one at a certain time and gets to be the starter and flashes a talent it might be a case where he eventually hits a transfer portal as well or like hopes to sit and wait his turn and eventually become the guy at, at georgia with the way they kind of run to seniority but like i just don't know what to do with this guy i feel like he's being recruited over and i feel like he's he's losing ground in this running back room Maybe he sits around and waits his turn. We might see a resurgence, but um, I did bury him in my rankings. I'm not counting on that happening, but I feel like if he's on my C2C rosters, I don't feel like I can pull the trigger on dropping him. I just don't think I can. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not dropping, but I ain't drafting either. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just a hold, and it's just the worst. Yeah, dude. and he's a, like, and you clogger. know, he's a roster clogger. When you're looking at him. Yeah. Yeah, so let's move on to the tight end position here. This is I hate how long this team is taking, dude. So long. But anyway. It's the, it's the one that will take the most out of this whole group probably yeah. anyways. So, but yeah. We won't talk about this many tight ends for anybody else, that's for sure. We won't be talking about tight ends for anybody else. For anybody, yeah. Any, yeah, this is it, guys. This is our only tight end talk <laughs> the next two months. Um, Brock Bowers, he's great. He's athletic. Uh, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. What if he comes into the combine and he's six foot three two thirty? I don't know if if he comes in at that size. I'm praying that he doesn't. But I guess you know, I mean, how how heavy was Evan Ingram coming in? Six three two thirty five somewhere in that oh, area. So I, th- I I guess that's what you're hoping for. Um, I I would imagine that if someone's going to be taking him that high, and he has the athleticism of like a wide receiver, that people are going to be thinking of him as like an intriguing offensive piece, and they're, then they're going to be thinking of him as a tight end, someone who's probably going to play slot more than he is going to play like in line. You know, maybe the way like. Gusecki is used, um, but I still think there's a path to him being very good at the NFL level. I'm I, like he's my he's my Debbie tight end one. I don't think that anybody's going to push for him. I just think the athleticism really stands out. I think that's going to be his ticket um, at the next level. Same way that Evan Ingram was. His, that's that was his ticket yeah. at his size was the athleticism. A tight end, tight ends at the NFL level for fancy success. It's very rare for them to be less than six foot four, less than yeah. two forty. Um, of the last, I think I've like, look. I did a study about this like a year ago. I think of the last eight years, there's only three names that pop up at six foot three, two thirty. It's it's Robert Tunyon for his one year with Green Bay that he did was good. Yeah. It was Johnny Taysom Smith Hill, for that. Taysom Hill, one of the two years too, wasn't it? Which is which is funny. Just recently, well, when yeah, I was, that was a little bit technically, cheating, if you want to call him a tight end, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you got Johnny Smith at six foot three, two thirty with the Titans that one year, and then yeah. you have Evan Ingram's one year as well. So it's not like sustainable, but like they pop here and there. It's just kind of they're a little bit rare, a little bit rare. Um, yeah, but even the next guy on this list, like we can go talk about Oscar Delp. I mean, we just have to keep seeing weight, but he's still this that 225 coming into this spring, which is kind of, oh. you know, he's like a wide receiver size at 6'5", 225. But I mean, mm-hmm. I still have hope for him. He looked pretty good as a receiving option in the spring game last year. And then even, even in the brief times he was playing the game last year, there's been talk about using him pretty much like in the Darnell Washington role, um, which didn't really lead to a lot of production last year. He'll probably end up as a little bit more of a red zone threat, if I would guess, if he's going to be playing yeah. that role um, as the inline tight end, and it's to really help him at least, you know, you know, uh, strengthen his craft as a blocker at least. 
I do think he has. Uh, this is me personally. I know this is a hot take as of today, but I do think Oscar Delp does have a higher NFL ceiling just based off of size and usage because he won't. Yeah. I think Brock Bowers has to be used. Well, you just mentioned Evan Ingram, but he has to be used in a gadgety ways uh, and almost like a slot receiver. But I think Delp is a guy that would be more of a red zone target at the NFL, um, which is kind of where most Titans make their money anyway, as far as fantasy yeah. goes. Um, so uh, let's talk Pierce Clarkson, the true freshman there. I don't know if you have any real strong opinions on Pierce Clarkson. I don't. His name is Pierce Berlin, but that's okay. Um, I really haven't looked into him uh, that much. Uh, I Like me and you talk about very much, we don't look into tight ends. But our recruiting team was very high on him. I think Austin maybe even had him as his tight end three in the class, I believe, if I want to say yeah, correct. I think he was the top sorry. Guy. Yeah, sorry if I'm misquoting you there, Austin, but I know you're pretty high on him. He did break his collarbone uh, early in this spring, so I haven't really been able to see much out of him. But we did get to see the other freshman, Lawson Lucky. Uh, who kind of played like when the offense shifted into the second team, he kind of played the Brock Bowers role. And again, he's similar size guy. Like he's, he's also like six, three, 230 or two forty coming in. I think that's what he's listed at right now. Six, three, 240. Um, so I don't think he's anywhere near the same type of athlete, um, but I have moved him up in my rankings a lot. Uh, I think he needs to be on right on radars, despite like coming in at this size, you know, maybe, maybe he'll grow a little bit more year year than we've seen from Brock Bowers. All right, just call me out, dude. I'll put him in the rankings eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have him, you don't have him ranked? I don't think so. No, I mean, tight ends, it takes me a while to get around to them and actually add all the names that I ah, Dude, I, yeah, I don't even want to adjust them. I just like, you know, there they yeah. are. <laughs> there they are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm wrong. Like, okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. We're done with Georgia. We're finally yeah. done with Georgia. You get enough of it from, from Jared Palmgren at the uh, Chasing the Natty podcast. So we are done with Georgia. Uh, for yeah. uh, for a minute. All right, let's go on to uh, a rising team, in my opinion. <laughs> a rising <laughs> team. It's funny, actually. We're just talking about both our teams here to start off the show, actually. Yeah, it just kind of happened yeah. that way. Yeah. I'm like blushing right now. I'm a little embarrassed about yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about University of Kentucky. So Kentucky gets Liam Cohen back as their OC. So Liam Cohen went to the Rams last year to be their OC. Uh, so Sean McVay saw something in him, which is awesome. Uh, but the year before that, he went to Kentucky. And 2021, Kentucky was the only – well, I'm a harsh critic. But for me, it was the only year Kentucky's offense has ever been exciting for <laughs> me. I mean, we've, we actually threw the ball. We actually threw the ball that year, and I loved it. Mm. High-tempo pace offense. I think we averaged – let me just go reference Nate Marquise's work here. They averaged six more points a game when he showed up in 2021. And when he left, we lost 12 points a game. So that was great. I mean, Will Levis, first round QB, whatever. But um, we got Liam Cohen back. And so I'm pretty excited about the offense we built here. We've brought in some O-line help. We brought in some QBs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm just so excited that he went to the Rams for one year. Sean McVay is, I think, a fantastic coach. I think he's a terrible program builder as far mm-hmm. as like NFL goes. He's just playing Madden. Just, that's all he's doing. <laughs> that's <he's> terrible <laughs> right now. Um, but, you know... I love that Liam Cohen went and got that experience because I think he was kind of a – I hope he sticks around Kentucky. I just don't think he does. But he's he's a fantastic OC. He comes back. Um, let's talk about the QB room here. Uh, Devin Leary is running this room right now. Devin Leary was a QB from NC State. Uh, last year he was a riser for us as a company in Devin rankings because he kind of is a – he's a nice mechanic. He's clean mechanics. He's not exactly prototypical size, but he was quite a few of ours like dark horse to be a, a first-round QB before getting heard and just honestly kind of just disappearing as a performance act here. But um, you think he has any Debbie potential here, Corey? Uh, like I, I've always been a little bit lower on him than the group we've talked about a little bit in the past. I've written his profile. I don't know if I wrote it, wrote it this year. I might've actually wrote it this year. I might've done it 
both of the past two years. And I just didn't love exactly what I saw on top. I saw the clean mechanics and I saw some, uh, from that standpoint in the pocket, he looks very clean. He gets the ball out quick. The release looks good. I find just the other stuff like lack of uh, anticipation on his throws. Um, he didn't like do a good job, like leading his, his receivers to make like plays after the catch either. Like, uh, like to make plays in the open field. He kind of just put it right on them, which I hate like more often than not anyways, which I like, I, I kind of like to see that, but he gets another shot here with Kentucky uh, reports right that he's almost back to full health. He's been doing more than he actually even anticipated to be able to do. So he's got yeah. some nice weapons uh, at his disposal as well with Barry and Brown and, and Dane Keita, which we'll get into a little bit later and uh, a nice running back behind him as well. So he's set up for a decent bounce back season here. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about these pass catchers here. Now, Liam Cohen was around to give rise to Wondell Robinson, who was a running back converted and became, I think, like the 43rd overall pick. He was a second round pick uh, in the draft. So we got Barry and Brown here, who's, I think, a consensus top five wide receiver for everybody here at this company in his class. Ultra athlete looking for a little bit more refinement. But I do think he has some of the highest potential goes in the wide receivers just because of his athleticism. We got Dane Key, who was also another true freshman that broke out this last year. Um, and then we have incoming freshman Shamar. Uh, definitely a good athlete, but generally unrefined here. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to start with Barry and Brown. I think Barry and Brown's a future stud. I just, I absolutely do. I assume you, you agree, right? There's not much to say about him. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously um, I'll let you continue what you're going to say, but I just want to see some weight as well added to him through his yeah. career as well. That's probably the one other thing. But other than that, yeah, star-studded for sure yeah i think liam combs gonna find ways to scheme scheme to get him the ball he's clearly the most talented player out there uh dane key is the debated guy for what his ceiling is i feel like he's really cooled off everyone was thinking he was a top five guy in the class definitely the mm-hmm. the um spreadsheet guys definitely thought he was a top five guy in the class for a while kind of fell off target share wise once bearing got his um bearing going uh with dane key yeah i get like I mean, I even had a discussion about it in a chat room the other day. Like some people have really been wondering, like Barry and like Barry and Brown, why is he ranked so much higher than Dane Key? The stats were similar. They both had great freshman seasons. Like, you know, some people are even saying they prefer Dane, which is like the argument that I actually got into. And I, if your argument is based like more so on Dane Key's being cheaper and for the value, then oh, okay, fine. That's fine. That's fine. I personally can't see the reasons to prefer Dane Key over Barry and Brown aside is aside from maybe like the, the size, you know what I mean? But like looking at Dane Key, even last year, essentially played a singular possession role on the outside in this offense. You know, most of the targets were um, these concentrated looks over the middle, um, excelled against man coverage, kind of struggled against man coverage a little bit. Yak numbers criminally low, like something like 3.2 yards after the catch per reception. Um, only earned nine targets first man coverage last year. Five of them were contested. Um, only caught three of them as well. The, the, like this whole profile just essentially paints a zone eater who is a catch and fall possession type wide receiver. Like he just lacks that upside that I feel Barian has. Barian's better athlete, more versatile, even analytically. The, the spreadsheet guys, you want to look at it. Barian had 2.48 yards per out run. He had 1.78. Um, Barian had high grades versus both man and both uh, zone coverage as well. Um, earn the most targets on the team as true, true freshman as well. And again, I, ho- I hope he's going to keep adding the weight over his playing career, open up the route tree a little bit as well. But the, the upside just feels really high if he like continues to progress. And, and I just want to say, like, I don't think Dane Key uh, is a bad player. He had like a really impressive freshman season, but I think that he just lacks the dynamic ability for like the next level. Like this kind of reminds me 
of like Dontavian Wicks, which we've talked about before. Like that's kind of like the trajectory I kind of see with him a little bit. No, absolutely. I really want to say he's not a separator. He's not a technician. Yeah. Doesn't have that footwork or hip flexibility the way that Varian does. Um, so I, I thought you really nailed it with the profiling him there. So the question is kind of the ceiling. I do think Dink he's a guy that gets drafted. I just I'm not really convinced yeah. he's a day two guy. Um, some people are calling him which, a day which, one which, guy. Which, like I said, talking about Octavian Wicks, he was drafted too, right? He went to sixth round yeah. to the Packers or whatever. So that that could be the type of career arc that we kind of see from. I did just want to say like a, a name that we shouldn't forget either. At least a guy who could be a thorn in his side if he comes back healthy this year. We had a, dealt with a lot of neck injuries. Was Tavion Robinson? Um, more people a little bit more mm. excited for him last year. We, he was supposed to walk into that Wandale role. Came from Virginia Tech. Um, was always a guy that would like take snaps of the backfield. Was kind of used in like those gadgety ways. So I think it's gonna be interesting see how he fits in to, to this group now now that if he comes in fully healthy and can stay fully healthy for the season um but yeah he's just kind of an interesting name kind of late in his career i don't know how much debbie potential is there but i just wonder if he's gonna be a thorn in our sides for like our our, our c2c hopes for maybe the top two guys on this list now any opinion on shamar porter you really talked about i mentioned him and we didn't really talk about him no i guess that's kind of your guy i was gonna let you handle that one because he's not a guy okay. that i've looked like super into actually i just yeah, know that he's point- one of these size speed athletes I think that's exactly what he is. Size, speed, really unrefined. Uh, I want to say his, I want to say his dad's his personal trainer. So you, you don't have to worry about him hitting the gym. I think he's hitting the gym, um, but there's just there just wasn't any development his senior year of high school. There's really no difference between his junior to senior year. Um, but as far as like high school prospects, I definitely liked him a lot more than Dane Key coming out. Uh, so I think that's going to be his competition for touches. Dane Key, we just talked about probably being overrated, but I, I don't know if Shamar can really beat out Dan Key for that role. So um, maybe beats out the year one zero move because I, I think most of their depth transferred out. I know a lot of guys went to Colorado, but um, the whole depth chart uh, outside of Dan Key and Barry, that's pretty unimpressive for us. And Tavion Robinson, it's pretty unimpressive for us at Kentucky here. So <laughs> he definitely has a role to get there. <laughs> what are you laughing about? And, uh, nothing. Just, you know, you love your team. It's good. <laughs> uh i do i do uh love our team uh i'm really excited for us to get more than six i'm pretty excited for that yeah you must be excited to get mr ray davis though at running back yeah yeah speaking of the dinosaurs uh so ray davis (laughs) transfers over from uh from vandy uh he 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 looks like a therapist hopefully he can help me get more in love with my team um ray davis had a very interesting career uh started out with temple was called the human joystick had a fantastic freshman year uh, kind of fell off, and then eventually, I think it took him two years to get to Vandy as his fourth year in the running back, and he was a 1,000-yard rusher. He definitely lit up Kentucky uh, last year, too, but he was efficient. I don't really think he has much of an NFL ceiling, but as far as, like, collegiate running backs go, like, yeah, I'm excited as a fan, um, but this is a Debbie show. <laughs> so um, we just had Chris Rod go day three. We had Benny Snell before Chris Rod go, Chris Rod go day three, so – we kind of just churn out day three running backs. I don't think that's out of the question for Ray Davis, um, but I don't think you're going to really be counting on him on your fantasy rosters next year. No, I think that's, I think you nailed it with draft projection. I, I mean, even as a guy that I've had a sweet spot for, he probably still, you know, day three guy, at least in my eyes. Um, I, I think he hasn't looked like the same guy he looked like at Temple during that freshman season. Um, he did some context there, at least some of those seasons dropping. He did lose multiple seasons to injuries as well. Had the ACL the first year at Vanderbilt, I believe. And then um, this last season, he actually like compiled one of his better 
statistical seasons with the over thousand yards in the SEC and everything like that, but just didn't look like the same like fluidness and the same quickness. I mean, this was like you said, this was a guy who had like was called the human joystick at five nine, two hundred and fifteen pound frame. He had back then, you know, he showed off some of that like impressive lateral ability. Now he he seemed to have lost it last year in some of the tape that I saw. I mean, I didn't watch a ton uh, of Vandy last year, but I did want to see how he looked. I did make it an effort to watch at least I think three or four games from him, uh, some of his bigger games as well. And he broke a couple nice plays holding his blockers and stuff, but you just didn't see that same shiftiness, uh, that same quickness, uh, able to navigate traffic in tight quarters and stuff like that. It was a lot of breaking to the outside following his blockers and stuff like that. So they do say two years out is when you see a player become much closer to the one he was before the injury um the acl injury which so hopefully for you and your kentucky uh wildcats there they will hopefully um get the ray davis that we saw earlier on in his career and, and hopefully have a little bit of a bounce back here uh the last thing i want to mention here is uh true freshman J- uh jamarion wilcox uh it's just a thin rb room uh, i know austin i think like a week or two ago talked about him on one of his multiple podcasts he's really been going he's been really traveling around podcasts lately but um <laughs> i'm not gonna sit here and say he's a Debbie asset he is he is the college equivalent to like roshan johnson's uh nfl profile where you're mm-hmm. like yeah he's good He's good enough. He doesn't have NFL traits. He doesn't have high-end collegiate traits or high-end NFL traits. But Jamarion Wilcox kind of just checks all the boxes. So yeah. uh, he might get some run, um, but I, I don't see myself the next two years calling him a, a Debbie stud. He, he can easily be um, recruited over or transferred over. We're not really a recruiting school. But transfers come into us, uh, so I definitely mm-hmm. can see us uh, him getting transferred over next year. Definitely a portal destination type team. Um, I know there's just so much more to talk about with Kentucky, but uh, I think we're good to move on. Are you <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, let's go. Okay. No, no tight ends. No tight ends. No, I don't even know a tight end on your team, to be honest. <laughs> I forget them, but there's always a weird crowd that hypes up one or two Kentucky tight ends, though. Um, let's head on over to uh, a state that's worse than Kentucky. Let's go to Tennessee, but they have a good college program there. Uh, new OC, Joey. I can't say his last name, but like Hazy or Hazley, Hazley. Let's call him Coach Joey. Coach Joey is out here. He's uh, replacing Alex Golesh. Uh, He was the QB coach the last two years. He was the USC QB coach before that. There's really nothing to say more about that. So let's just go on to the quarterback room. (laughs) Um, It's Joe Milton's show this year. Um, Debbie expectations for Joe Milton. Oh, Debbie expectations. I don't know. We've talked about it before. Milton is just all arm. You know, he joked about in the slack, in the yeah. slack even. They just throws everything like a rifle. There's no touch there. It's a, it's a freaking cannon on everything. And he relies on it a lot in his game. Like, like a, no, like really bad pocket presence sometimes. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen Joe Milton up to this point in previous systems as well. And this system is probably more suited for his skill set. But he wasn't very good back then either. But, I mean, in Heupel's offense, you know, I think there is obviously an avenue for him to do well, especially, you know, attacking vertically down the field, which is what his offense likes to do. Um I just think about also plenty of times that hookers mobility got them out of trouble, I think. And I don't think Milton brings that to the table as well. I think his overall game just needs a ton of refinement. I, I, I'd be surprised if he ended up any better than like, you know, a late, you know, day three NFL draft pick. The next Tim Boyle, maybe, honestly. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> um, do you think it's like, this is probably a question we're asking for quite a few guys here. Uh, I want to say, is he a third year or fourth year? Oh, I don't even know. Is he not a fifth year? Okay. Well, well that's even scarier because the question I was going to ask, like, do you think it's, you know, you called him unrefined. Do you think he has enough time to get refined? 
No, I just think he's the type of player he is. There's a lot of people that probably won't enter very fine. You know, like KJ Jefferson, you know, he isn't going to enter yeah. very fine. Like, I just think that he's that type of player. He, the refinement's probably going to come at the next level if it ever comes, you know. Okay. So he, 2018, he joins. So what does that make him? That makes him a six-year. Oh, geez, it? dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Get him, get him some life <laughs> alert out there. We've seen uh, him a long time. Do you? I'm going to ask you right now. Do you know where Joe Milton started his career? No, I know Hooker came from Virginia Tech, but I do not know where Joe Milton came from. Michigan. He's in Michigan for three years. <sighs> Michigan makes the greatest uh, day three running backs, but we'll talk about that some other time. Yeah, I will talk about that some other time. But anyways, <laughs> back back to this quarterback room. I did just want to talk about Nico. You know, yeah, yeah definitely. Here. I keep coming around a little bit more and more. On wait, wait, wait. You, you mumbled his last name. Give it a go. Nico Iamalieva. Okay. Nice. I've been yeah. coming around on him a lot more. I think there is issues there. Um, like, you know, the tendency to want to extend every play, hold on to the ball forever, likes to get outside and make the big play. I do want to see him win more from the pocket and, and make and get the ball quickly, make smart decisions, not rely on the arm so much. Um, but we kind of saw like a glimpse in the spring game, which really wasn't that bad. This offense is like really suited towards those things, getting the ball up quick, making quick reads. He's really in the perfect offense that I feel like is going to hide some of those deficiencies I think he has coming out of college. Um, I think the system's going to do a good job of keeping him structured. Um, we've already been reports about how the weight as well is a huge point of emphasis behind the scenes. They want to get up to like 210 before the time the season rolls around. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that, but still it's a step in the right direction. It's a thought behind the scenes. They want to keep adding weight to him you know i think he already has the arm talent he has those big long strides that eats up eats up ground in a hurry i just think he's a very interesting prospect uh, the more i kind of think about him he's i moved up to my at least my qb3 in this class right now um i still got more nelson at, at the top right now but he's kind of feeling like a like a tier one guy to me lately you know i've been doing these drafts nowadays like the supplement it's supplemental draft season and now every time like it comes up i want to take him so i think i'm starting to really come around on, on the type of prospect nico could be yeah, he's been my locked-in QB4. I think he's my last, like, I expect to be an NFL guy. I, yeah. There's, like, four guys, which is kind of, like, that's kind of a lot. But uh, I'm with you there. I didn't have anything else to add for Ninko. Uh, the wide receiver room, though, uh, way too many names, way too many random names. Yes. Um, we got – we got. I don't even know who to talk to talk about first. Let's just talk about Pru- Brew McCoy. I think Brew McCoy yeah. is the – I don't know because Chris Kays is – Always around, but I think Brew McCoy is the most talked about guy here in this room. Um, maybe Squirrel maybe pushing him a little bit too, but yeah, okay. I think but, there's, there's but, just a lot of backstory with Brew McCoy. Obviously, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, obviously, um, five star athlete um, had the accusations of domestic violence, took him away from football for about a year, pretty much. Charges were eventually dropped. How you want to view that is up to you. I don't, we don't really know what ended up happening there, but he was a very, very sought after recruit. Kind of now is getting a rebirth. At Tennessee, how much you want to put into that is up to you. He's going to kind of be in that Tillman role it's looking like. But, you know, he's pretty damn cheap if you want to take the shot. You know, usually a double-digit round guy in C2C, not even really getting drafted within 10 rounds of Debbie. So if you want to, there's maybe a glimmer of Debbie hope there. But, you know, given like the profile and pedigree, but, you know, it, it all depends on how you view the off-field stuff. Yeah, I, but I haven't seen him be successful, like, at all. I, I know there was times last year where um, sort of was out. Yeah. yeah, but there's times where he could have stepped up and he didn't either. So I don't know, dude. He's super unrefined, and I I saw uh, Blake Hand was a 
a guy I follow on Twitter. I think he's pretty funny, but he said he said he's going to be the next Mingo, where he's going to be disappointing all those years, and he's going to have a really good off season, and all of a sudden he's going to get the draft cap. But I thought that was hilarious, and I was like, maybe, dude. I mean, Mingo did it somehow. Maybe he can. But uh, I I don't know. I don't see the the path to him. I like I don't think it's a Debbie asset at all whatsoever. Like I don't even think he's like the one in the system. I'm not sure he's even the two in the system. So we know that in the NFL draft, um, senior wide receivers from the Senior Bowl dominate uh, early on for draft capital. Do you think he's a Senior Bowl invitee in the future? Probably. I think it would be yeah, good I, for him too, at least I'm to, kind of to there maybe too. hear up some of that off-field stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of there too. I actually think he might get that Senior Bowl invite. Uh, you talked about Squirrel. Um, you already kind of talked about who he is a player. Squirrel's a Squirrel White is a field stretcher he's like five foot ten 160 i believe yeah um, really small dude but gets down yeah gets downfield fast <laughs> everyone everyone's assuming and agreeing that he's filling in the jalen hyatt role um mm-hmm. as far as Devi goes you think he's what do you think what do you think what do you think i think that the production mixed with the speed mixed with the attention that the conference is that he gets in that conference and how good of an offense they should be. I think he'll earn, he has a chance to earn day two capital and at least get yeah. that opportunity at the NFL. What happens at the NFL level is another question because we haven't really seen this size succeed. You know, you're hoping that he's more in like that unicorn range or whatever. He also still has two years to try to get a little closer to that 180 range, you know, like 15 pounds is, is kind of a big ask, especially if he's not really showing it already coming into year two, but it's not impossible. I still think he's more of a really interesting C2C asset right now with like uh, with, with some draft capital in hand um, and a little bit of Devi hopefulness there because you're going to get lots of production from him for the next two years as well, which is another reason why I'm very high on him in C2C leagues. But in pure Devi leagues, I do feel a little bit more apprehensive unless it's like a late round pick where uh, it's a super deep league or something like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like the draft capital is definitely obtainable. Small guys are getting drafted more often now. I'm just yeah. not sure he's going to be much of an impact the next level. So I, I'm with you. We all agree production is going to be there. You just labeled the main three bullet points of, of you know, the system and the conference and all that stuff like that. So yeah. I, I'm with you. I think he's, I think he can be a day two guy. I'm only going to be excited about him producing the next level, but I do think he gets there and checks all the boxes for draft capital. Um, Dante Thornton fights like what six foot five, 200 out there. Yeah. I don't know what to make of him, dude. I do remember there was a time in the offseason where people were saying he's better than Troy Franklin. Obviously, that's proven wrong now. Oh, um, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say more about him. I think he kind of becomes the movable piece in this offense where he's kind of the first available option at any spot on the line. Maybe, like, I think Romel Keaton is a guy we haven't talked about, but I don't really think he's a Debbie asset. He's probably locked into one of the starting roles right now, just out of seniority. Maybe he pushes him for that outside role, but I think he enters the season at least as that first option at any spot on the line um, should someone get injured or something like that. There is an avenue here where if something happens to Squirrel and he's the next guy in the slot, like, he could put up massive numbers if he becomes that guy and takes over that role there. But again, very different wide receiver. It's very weird. Very tall, lanky, yeah. long strider, like not the same kind. The one freshman that me and you were both excited about, Nathan Leacock, he's inside my top 10. Um, I want to say six foot three, 200, six foot two, 200 in that yep. range. But I know he clocks in a very fast miles. Probably. I want to say it was 21.9, according to our recruiting team. That size speed is very intriguing to me. I got to watch him a little bit at the spring game. He got like the second target, but besides that, wasn't really much of a factor, even with the starters being injured. Um, 
I'm not sure what type of avenue of playing time he's got going on, but I am interested by the one, the size and athletics. And obviously we've been talking about the system and the coaches here this whole time. So I'm intrigued. I, I think uh, Tillman got day three draft capital. I think he's a higher level athlete than Tillman is. I think he can become more developed in three mm-hmm. years than Tillman was in five years. So I, I can see the path for him also being a Debbie asset. I think me and you were both on board with that call. Yeah, I think he like agree with everything you said there. I think he just profiles like a true like the true X wide receiver in this offense. He fills that role like the Cedric Tillman role. So I think once McCoy moves on, and you know maybe their other guy too, uh, Romel Keaton there that we just mentioned, like he definitely could he could push for a starting role. The, the buzz has been a little bit quiet about him. I was hoping to hear a little bit more, but yeah, I mean it's still yes, fresh. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see how it goes throughout his first year. Hopefully he does enough to break those zero one zero thresholds. He is an early enrollee. He's on campus. Let's just hope he doesn't do us like Justin Williams. Yeah, yeah, I'm scarred from that. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of running backs, <laughs> yeah, let's head on over. Um, your favorite, your talk. favorite group. Oh, I'd say I, you do like Cam Selden, but you don't really I love like Cam any Selden. of these guys, though. No, I don't. So I'm only going to talk about Cam Selden, who we talked about before. But athlete guy, he really profiles similar to uh, Raheem Sanders coming out. He's already got the size, already got the athleticism. They used him all over the field in the spring, which some people don't like, but I actually do like that. I like when they're used as the primary chess piece. It really showcases their versatility and their playmaking ability in the offense. Don't really know how I feel about that at the next level, but at least at the collegiate level, I am a big fan of that. So I don't really view the pieces in front of them as being that much of a of Debbie assets. Um, but you want to talk about the uh jags in this running back yeah, i don't really want to but i guess if we're, if we're going to preview the room the two guys that you're going to see the most of at least in this running back room are probably jabari small and jalen wright yep. uh i'm not really a huge fan of either of them jabari small really the stats really boosted from the 13 touchdowns um last year he didn't really have a had a pretty pedestrian yards per carry average um only okay, i was looking into the stats a little bit just because i wanted to look only 27 missed tackles uh forced on 157 pretend that's 16 percent missed tackle rate uh just had his first season over 100 yards receiving so that's not a huge plus to his game low yards after contact numbers um only 13 plays over 10 plus yards <laughs> which even in comparison to his backfield uh teammate there jalen wright had 20 10 plus yard uh, runs on 11 less carries than Jabari. And, and then like speaking of Jalen Wright, uh, he did outrush uh, Jabari small uh, production wise as well. Um, had almost four point or four yards after conduct per attempt as well for 36 missed tackles. So I guess if you're going to pick one guy that you want to go at, I would probably go with Jalen Wright here. Um, even in C2C or something, if it's a late round pick or something like that, it's probably the guy I prefer over Jabari small. I just think he might be a little bit of a better player um, overall, but as Devi assets, I don't really think you should be looking at either of these players. I'm with you. I thought going into the year, I thought, I looked at Jabari Smalls as being very similar to Jalen Knighton, just very inefficient runners down the middle. And it's, mm-hmm. it wasn't really a plus in the receiving game either. So it's like, I don't know what you really bring to the table at all. We didn't talk about Dylan Sampson here. He's a freshman last year, 5'11, 190, a little on a smaller side, but he really came on hot last year at the end. Uh, week 11 against Missouri, he had eight rushing attempts for 98 yards and one touchdown. And then against Vanderbilt, 12 rushing attempts for 131 yards and one touchdown. So, very efficient and limited work. Um, I know some people are – he's a dark horse for some people to take over that running back room. I just I just think Cam Selden is much more special. That Maybe, let's say, Samson is more involved year two. I, I think Selden is going to overtake him by year two as well. Yeah, and there might even be something, too, if they want to keep like Selden in more of a – gadgety type role and be able to split them out wide a little bit more. You might see a little bit more of a guy like Samson 
being the lead running back. And plus this was more like a, this was a, a two running back system essentially last year. So a guy to at least keep on your radars. We're not telling you to go out here and draft him or anything like that, but just a guy put on your radars for round in your CDC draft. You want to take a shot, take your shot. All right, let's head on over to Missouri. So OC is Kirby Moore coming in from Fresno. So 2022 Fresno state OC, um, and then 21, 20 to 20 to 21, he was the Fresno state pass game coordinator. And then, 2017 to 2019, he was the wide receiver coach, all at Fresno. Uh, the one thing with Fresno, though, is that they had a player, uh, Jalen Moreno Cropper. He was used as a gadgety wide receiver, like a yak threat. Exception is that Jalen Moreno Cropper is like tiny, like he's six foot one seventy. He's a skinny dude. Um, made it work though. I'm super pumped for Luther Burden this year. I am so pumped because he is like mm. Jalen, like like if you double all of Moreno Cropper's like stats. That's 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 what Luther Burden is. He's a yak threat. That's what he offers in a game. So I think this is just a match made in heaven. So I'm pretty excited about this. This this is a creative play caller. Missouri finally has a fun play caller in house, and I think it's Luther Burden's going to be wheels up. Yeah, it should be at least beneficial to him because this is a guy that we didn't really love the landing spot either, right? And we wanted to see them be a little more creative with them, use them a little more in creative ways. This was a guy who hit all eight type eight categories, I believe, right? In the year one, zero threshold theory. So, so I think, yeah. I believe he knocked all of them out of the park. Um, incredibly versatile player, uh, trimmed down a bit this year as well. He was at like, I think I want to say two eleven or two twelve or something. He's down to two Oh eight now. Um, yeah, he was two fifteen yeah. by the way, two fifteen. Yeah. Two fifteen. So yeah, he trimmed down a little bit as well. So everything is pointing to him having like a massive season this year, really working hard. The offense is really going to go through. Um, I think that if we want to give a, just a quick mention to somebody else here, um, Theo East, okay, transferred in, borderline five-star from uh, Oklahoma, mm. was the number four wide receiver in the 2019 class. Not a year one zero theory either. Followed it up with a decent sophomore year and then just like tore his ACL. Uh, injuries lingered through his fourth year at Oklahoma. Um, he is now two years removed from that injury, something we we're talking about with Ray Davis as well. So if you want to start to look for someone maybe deeper in those EGC drafts, take a shot on. Um, this guy has flashed talent in the past and this is a new system. So we could maybe expect, you know, maybe there might be somebody else to kind of break out in the system as well. So maybe just a name to keep on uh, under the radar for you guys. I do like the, ch- I didn't write his name down the sheet, but true freshman Joshua Manning too. He was a guy that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. want to say slid into my top 20 wide receivers. I'm not expecting him to do much this freshman year, but I'm, I'm trying to think of other guys in this wide receiver room besides those two names. And I actually can't think of that. So no, um, I, I am a fan of the uh, true freshman Joshua Manning, who I haven't heard anything about in spring. Hadn't even looked him up. So I really, I haven't even like investigated um, yeah. even if he's there on campus right now, but uh, let's go to this quarterback room. I don't have much to say. Jake Garcia is in Connor Basilak still there. No. Uh, love Jake Garcia as a recruit. Don't love him as a college player. So not much I think you meant I think you meant Brady Cook. Yeah, it's Brady Cook, Brady Cook or Jake Garcia here. I don't really love either one of them. I don't think, think there's anything else to talk about here. To be honest with you, running back. I don't think there's a running back here. We used to chase the production here. Um, you guys yeah. remember like Tyler Beatty, Larry Roundtree a few years ago had some pretty massive years, but we haven't seen that in a while. We chased it a little bit with Nathaniel Pete last year, late in those CGC drafts. Ended up being a different guy, Cody Schrader. So I, I don't really know what else to expect. DeVoris Jones, I guess, was a guy that Colin I remember really liked last year. If you guys want to, yeah, I thought. 
uh, he freshman, fit but... the bill very similar to Tyler Beatty. Um, I do want to say this yeah. though: the OC did have like Jordan Mims last year was definitely the RB one at Fresno the last like, yes. years. So, he so was there could the be guy. there could be an avenue here for some. If you guys want to take a shot on Cody Schrader, if you get because he looks like he's going to be the guy to, to to be the number one. But yeah, not a lot of Devi assets here between the quarterback and running back. I think we can move on. Yeah, all right. Let's go on to uh, South Carolina here. Uh, new OC comes in. Satterfield's out. Uh, Dow Logans is in. He's a 2021-2022 Arkansas tight end coach, and then he was with various NFL coaches the 12 previous years. Um, there's not much to say about him or like his history. Uh, the Arkansas tight end coach had Trey Knox. Trey Knox follows him over to uh, South Carolina, so that's really worth mentioning that that he has that connection with one of those players there. But let's start off with the QB room. Uh, of course, Spencer Rattler is the bounce back coming. Uh, I don't know if the bounce back is coming. Um, I just, like I've talked about a little bit. I do think there's, there's still some arm talent there. We saw it last year in a game like with Clemson. Um, we saw in the spring games, the ball just flies out of his hands. Everything else, man, it's forces balls into coverage, makes late throws, hold on to the ball. Sometimes it's problems that he just hasn't seemed to be able to shake. I still think someone takes a shot in the NFL and thinks that they can fix him. And he probably, I think he could end up a day two, early day three type draft pick just because the pedigree and the arm talent. And, and I, like, I, I know he's a little bit cocky too, but there's also some confidence there that he might come off really like really well in interviews. Like he's overly confident and, and maybe studies his craft and everything like that. But I'm just, I don't know if he'll be ever, ever be able to shake some of the issues that we see. He's a guy that's going to get a senior bowl invite. And his entire like career is dependent on those four days. It's yeah. going to be all about the interviews and all about if he can flash a little bit in practice. Uh, so yeah, which um, he might be able to in that type of setting, to be honest, because he had he yeah. might be one of the more impressive arms there, to be honest. Yeah. So I I think he's a day three guy. I think I'm a lot. I don't think there's even an avenue for day two, but I think he could be like a fourth, fifth rounder, like backup. Guy. Yeah, early day three. Yeah, like fourth round. Stetson yeah. Bennett went in the fourth round. Like, come on. Dude, well, he's the goat, dude. He, <laughs> yeah, he is the he is the king. He is the king. Um, the uh, freshman we're all excited about, Lenora Sellers, who um, I've officially moved up to my freshman QB seven, by the way. And and if you look at it from a really simplistic view, and you ask yourself who's the best dual threat quarterback in this class, the easy answer for me is Lenora Sellers, and that's kind of the way mm. the NFL is moving now, especially these teams that are rebuilding. They want these guys that are more mobile, so they can cover up the mistakes that the offensive line makes um he was a really good quarterback before he had i think he had like an acl or something his junior year yeah, he had play, injury issues yeah then senior year came back for 37 touchdowns and two interceptions and i think he also ran for like 10 plus touchdowns as well so yeah. um i think they found a gem there i'm all in i'm all in on lauren Noah sellers i really am bro i think he's a deadly yeah. asset I'm actually glad that his recruitment kind of kept going because if he like kept progressing at the at the rate he was progressing in high school, I wonder how high his recruitment ranking would have got, and if he would have yeah. ended up like more, maybe more like in the top five of this class or something. Now it's been nice that I've actually been able to get some shares, but now his price is just reaching like super high as well. I've been able to grab yeah. some shares now while his price is before it gets there, or whatever. I think the highest price I've paid so far was early third in a supplemental draft, but I think he's probably gonna. I don't even know where it's gonna head if it if it can get any higher than that. Um, but that's, I think it was 303 was what I ended up paying for him. So he'll, he'll be one, cheaper. Yeah, he'll be cheaper next year because he's not touching Probably. the field this year. Yeah, yeah he'll be especially since Debbie year. Debate wanted to call him Anthony Richardson. So now that, that cat's out of the bag. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once, you, once you break that out, you can't bring it back. <laughs> um, let's head over to the wide receivers here. Now, Chris Moxley is a big Juice Wells fan. Uh, do you think 
Antoine Wells, but Paul Judas Wells. Do you think he's a Debbie asset? I think he was a thousand yard receiver last year. Yeah, probably no, going to repeat that this year. Just under a thousand yards last year, but he's a he's okay. a really hard guy to pin down. Sometimes I think something is there. You know, six one, two hundred ten pounds. Um, was a go-to guy for for Rattler last season. His first season in the SEC as well. Produced really well. Um, didn't really match his like lofty numbers from the FCS as well. He spent two seasons with with James Madison as well, yeah, and in his Jamie. true freshman season as well, he spent with like a military academy or something. So it's like this guy is taking the extremely extremely long route to the SEC, but he hasn't looked mm-hmm. out of place. You know what I mean? Like I, I like yeah. for what it's worth, he's projected as a day two pick on like the early consensus twenty twenty four uh, big boards, which probably means nothing this early. But it's at least worth noting how some people are viewing him right now. Like if he does hit, he's going to be a little bit of an outlier. So I get like the apprehension, but there might be something there, man. There might be because he's he's he looks good when you watch him. He doesn't look out of place playing on the SEC season. Like every level he's come up now, he's never looked out of place. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, uh, Nicholas Harbor, uh, track guy. I, I think all the other podcasts talk about him way more than we do. So I'm not sure how much we really need to talk about him. Yeah, there's not much to talk about. It's an insane athlete who uh, 6'5", 230 pounds, but runs like a 10 point, like under 10.10 seconds or something like that. Like something just absolutely ridiculous could potentially be a defensive end or a tight end or a wide receiver. We have no idea where he's going to end up. He's going to start off at wide receiver. Um, I just hope that he can choose one and stick to it. And he can kind of refine his ability in into one position because this is probably the most raw prospect we've seen with this type of athletic ability that we've seen like in a while. Like the last one I can kind of think of, I was trying to like think about it is like is maybe DK Metcalf because of like all the injuries, mm-hmm. he was super raw and stuff like that. Never really had got a chance to develop. Like maybe that's kind of the avenue for him if if he kind of sticks to at least wide receiver and kind of holds that's, his craft that's there, the but, ceiling though that's the ceiling yeah that's the ceiling that's the ceiling yeah. there's a lot of paths for this to go completely wrong as well. how he navigates his college career is going to go a long way in his development the floor is is very very low i mean it is yes it's like it fucking, is like it's xfl pres- like it's presidential <laughs> bunker all the way down the yeah. ground yeah anyway um i i got like i thought he had like some of the worst footwork i had to watch out of all the like, the high ranked high schoolers yeah. Like it was just so clunky and slow, and it's just like, what am I watching here? But I, I think he should be a defensive end, but we'll see. Uh, That's a smart other, move. Yeah. Any other wide receivers you want to talk about? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Uh, let's go on the running back here. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd's gone, thank God. Good good for South Carolina. Uh, but Dontavious Braswell, <laughs> freshman here, true freshman. I'm a big fan of him. He's uh, six foot one, 200, I want to say, maybe 210. Yeah. Um, He's fast. He's a great athlete. I think he's kind of a smooth mover in the open field too. So I, I'm a little, I'm excited. I'm a little intrigued. I can't remember where I had him. I had him at like RB six, I want to say, in the class for myself. So I, I like the athlete. I like South Carolina does run. They don't really do well developing running backs. Um, Marshawn Lloyd was unfortunate injuries held him back, so you can't blame them for that one. But generally speaking, you don't see a lot of successful running backs come out of the system. So I'm intrigued by the athlete and the size and the pedigree. So, any other running backs you want to talk for him? No, I think this is probably the most interesting name in this in this room to kind of keep tabs on as well. There's at least an athleticism and opportunity factor there that you can buy into and see. I wasn't as wowed with him. He's definitely closer to like the back of my top ten for for running backs. Um, I, I you know like I I I get that there that the athletic has been there, but this just wasn't a guy that I saw like creating a lot on his own at the next level. Maybe maybe I didn't give enough credit to him being a little bit of a smooth mover, like you kind of labeled it there. Even when you said it, I kind of thought about it, and I was like, maybe I was just looking for shiftiness, and he doesn't really have it in his game. 
Um, there's just more of a smooth mover, likes to follow his blocks and take, you know, the easy route, I guess. But I, I, the opportunity and the pedigree, at least, and the athleticism, at least things you can take a shot on, just it's a little bit high for my taste right now if, if you're going to if you're gonna buy into him. But if you're going to take a shot on anybody in this backfield, it's definitely him. Yeah, he's got the traits. We can agree on that at least. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, we talk about tight ends, but Nichols Harbors always talk about wide receivers, so. Oh well, we have oh, to talk Trey about Knox. yes, yes. We have to talk oh, about Trey we're Knox. Going, this is, we're talking. Yeah. All right, we have, we have to. This, this, yeah, Stay this away. is actually a guy that I like because I did his Debbie profile. I bought into him last year for uh, NC2C leagues to, to become a guy. He didn't really produce like I was, was hoping, but I think one of the most amazing things about his transition to being a tight end is how good of a blocker he actually ended up being. He was like their main blocker and like graded out really well for PFF. I was actually super surprised. Now. The OC wants to pull him away, bring him back over here as well. We saw a lot of usage in the spring game as well. I don't know, man. I think there could be something here. This is a former wide receiver with a lot of athleticism as well, moves like a wide receiver. There could be something here at the NFL level, man. He could be like a late-round dart type, at least, for you if in the tight end premium league or something. It's one tight end that I might actually be excited about. I do I do kind of like those, like, wide receiver converts. I really like Greg yeah. Dolchick with a wide receiver convert. Uh, Darren Waller was. Yep. There are there are plenty of success stories from wide receivers converting and he converted early, right? He converted early. No, I can, he converted pretty late. He tried it out wide receiver, had a decent freshman season, sophomore season. He kind of lost ground in the wide receiver group, kind of had a transitions year, year while he made the switch to tight end, then started in his fourth year as a tight end. I am intrigued. Again, he did follow his OC over here from Arkansas. Well, his Arkansas tight end coach. So yeah, the new OC. Um, And uh, Jaheim Bell is gone. Uh, so as a program, they use tight ends. So he won't just be used in blocking roles, or at least you can feel good about that. Yeah. Uh, let's head on over to a quickie. Let's talk about Vandy. <laughs> and done. <laughs> let's talk about Florida. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just have one question. Will, Will Shepard, do you think yeah. he's a Debbie asset? I think he hit 1,000 yards last season. Oh, Most God. guys are like taking the fat, like the express lane out as soon as they like showcase a little bit of talent. They're like, I'm out of here. Um, yeah. But do you think Will Shepard has a shot at Debbie Valley? There was, there was maybe time. He's held back by system, so it's so hard to kind of get like a good feel for these guys. I think he only had like one game over 100 yards, though. It's not like he was completely taking over. I don't think he hit that 1,000-yard mark. I think he was another guy that was just shortly under it, but a lot of touchdowns. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. High, high touchdown guy. So, 768, uh, for, so I don't know what I thought. 160 yeah. targets. I, everything I read about him – Everybody on that team likes to say he's the most talented player on the team. And the beat reporters, like when you read about him and stuff like that, they call him an NFL wideout. But I will say they're pretty realistic about his projection. Like some of the quotes I read was like late round draft capital, mid, potential mid round pick or something like that. Like they're not getting crazy because usually when you get crazy, you start talking about day two picks. They're fine calling the mid round talent. I think that's where they believe he is. That probably means he's probably more like a day three UDFA type, but he's 6'3, 200 pounds. Pretty good size, fairly consistent, so he could be a guy. The only other guy that I'll mention here, just to give Vandy some love here, just one other guy, true freshman last year, Jaden McGowan, very small guy, though, 5'8", 180 pounds, um, but really good verified track times, around 10.6, meter, uh, flashed as a true freshman last year, two games over 100 yards, even took 14 rushing attempts through the course of the season as well, uh, returned kicks, had just over 500 yards from scrimmage, four touchdowns, added another 380 as a returner, so did some nice things as a freshman. If you're the type of person that likes to put guys on the radar if they just kind of hit some thresholds earlier in their career as a freshman gowan is the kind of guy that you should at least you know uh put on that radar despite having a little bit of a smaller frame 
I am. I. I can't. I'm can't even gonna say this. I am mildly intrigued by Will. I have to go back and watch film. I'm gonna watch yeah. Vandy film, bro. I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm gonna go watch some Vandy film. Report back. Um, let let the people know what you think. Yeah, I'll put them on my my guy list next to Malachi. Yeah. Malachi uh, Mike's misfits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, 4.6 yard, uh, yak reception, which is a fine number, but 2.12, uh, yards of reception. He also has like only three drops, which is a really nice. And then he has 37 contested targets on 116, um, 116 total targets. So that's, that's an insane number. Obviously Vandy has really terrible QB play. So I'm sure most of those are QB under throws um, or something like, yeah, yeah I'm making sure. It yeah. So, target. yeah. Yeah, what if it's one of those stories where like the guy's just being held back because of the system, but he's actually a stud when he's given like a half decent QB? Yeah, it, it could be. Who is the guy from Stanford this like, year that had that? Um. Oh, Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson, right? Like maybe that's kind of the kind of path yeah. we could see for Will Shepard. Yeah, I'm gonna. See, I'm. Yeah, I will. I actually will report back. I will. I'm writing that name down right now. All right, I'll report <laughs> back on that. Um. Yeah. All right. That's it for Vandy. So good. Cool. Cool. Cool um florida no coaching changes so we can skip over that um i didn't write the qb room down but are you are you at all excited about any of the qbs there graham Mertz. What? you don't want to you, you don't love yourself a little graham <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm not a big uh i'm not a big uh, graham Mertz fan um hopefully he'll just be able to supply some kind of uh passing attack for some of these wide receiver options who they do have some interesting names at least i think they do, yeah. So uh, Ricky Pearsall was a lead guy last year. They had Xavier Henderson, but I think Portal. Um, I'm gonna, t- I'm personally gonna talk about Caleb Douglas here. Caleb Douglas was a true freshman last year. He's one of those guys that I think he's similar to Dylan Bell, where we're like saying, well, he's productive as a freshman and assist isn't productive for freshmen. So it's kind of impressive that he did that much. Um, but there's a lot of question marks on what he is as a Debbie asset. I. I know, I know, I don't think anyone knows this on the Debbie team, but I put his name on the Debbie guide and then took him off. And I put him back on and I took him off. Like I think I noticed times. that. I think I noticed yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Before ultimately deciding, nah, I should just keep him off. This is not, yeah. I don't even want to put him on my misfit, misfit column. But I just want to mention that Caleb Douglas was impressive for getting on the field early, uh, but he seemed like a possession guy, wasn't really technically refined, didn't offer much athleticism upside either to be like developing the NFL asset. So, um, that's Caleb Douglas for me. Do you want to talk a little bit, Ricky Pearsall? Uh, no, I haven't really studied Pearsall in depth. All I know is that um, Anthony Richardson's favorite target last year led the team. It, purely a slot guy, put up some some pretty decent numbers, but I'm not sure if there's anything really there besides a complimentary receiver day three type pick at the next level. I think the most interesting guys in this group for me are probably the uh, trio of freshmen they bring in this year, right? So Eugene yeah. Wilson, uh, a smaller, uh, super super sudden type guy in his moving skills, very twitchy, can do some of the gadget stuff yeah, as well, pretty good footwork in his routes. Um, then you got Aiden Mizell, who's almost the exact opposite, size speed guy at 6'2", 180 pounds. So not not gigantic, but runs 100 meter in 10.6 meters, uh, fairly raw at the position. Uh, that, type of, that type of archetype, by the way, hasn't really had success at florida if you want to talk about guys like justin shorter or even xavier hutchinson who just left um they they haven't really been able to develop that type of guy and then you've got andy gene as well another another freshman there probably got the most hype this spring out of the group kind of brings like a a solid all-around skill set maybe isn't the same type of athlete as the first two but maybe makes up for it with being a little bit more refined uh, at this stage of the game 
Yeah, no, so Hugh Wilson's definitely, I think, I think he's the recruiting team favorite out of this trio. Yeah. Uh yeah. 5'11, 165, skinnier guy, sudden athlete, really twitched up type of guy. Um, raw though, just really just technically raw, but he definitely has the athleticism. And then Andy Jean, uh, Corey said was the exact opposite. He's technically refined. Uh, our big concern is that maybe his ceiling is like David Bellish. Yeah. Um, which has not been a success story so far in the NFL. I do want to say this though, Andy Jean's like uh, off season like training program before um, before he went to uh, Florida. His coach was the same as Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper even gave him a special shout out on a Instagram mm-hmm. live video. He was like, he's like at a mall and was like, hey, Andy Jean, man, got off the phone call with coach, whatever, like hyping him up, saying that he's he's the truth, stuff like that. Um, I don't think people. I know there's coach speak and there's like player speak and all that stuff like that, but I don't think people make phone calls behind other people's backs saying, wow, Andy Jean's really good and not mean it. So yeah, I, I actually do think Andy Jean probably is very technically refined. I believe in all that. Um, again, it's Florida though. And you got Graham Mertz throwing. So we'll yeah, see. It's just, no wide receivers are really coming out of there. We'll see. Game. But it, I think maybe he does touch the field though. I think he does touch the field freshman year. I think, yeah, I'm not sure it sounds like it. It sounds recruit. Like- yeah. But I think he touches the field and we'll see a little bit of him in freshman year. Let's get over to the running back room. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit ago, but uh, it's Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Montreal Johnson's uh, followed his collegiate coach, um, Billy Napier. I almost called him Sunbelt Billy uh, from <laughs> ULL. Comes over. Uh, Trevor Etienne is obviously Trevor Etienne's brother. Uh, looked thick in high school, lost weight, and looked really good as a freshman. Um, mm-hmm. Etienne is like 5'9", um, 210. I want to say, and then Montreal is more the traditional size of like six foot two, two ten. Yeah, I think what um, Etienne did in his freshman year, given what like I expected the transition to be, because um, he came from like this really funky high school offense, a lot of rollouts, a lot of pass passing game as well. So I thought there was going to be like a, a weird transition there, and then also uh, being a little bit. Um, we kind of called it. It looked like he had a little bit of bad weight on him, so it was nice to see him slim down and come in and and. and put a lot of work in the off season to come in at that, at that two ten number or two Oh eight. I think he was listed at, but I was just really impressive. And I think if you want to compare the two, that's kind of the battle right now. Um, I think we, as a group, as, as a site are much higher on ETN, which is what I think is the right call. And Montreal is a fine back, but Etienne was just a little bit better every step of the way. Unless you want to look at the raw stat lines, but um, Etienne was a little bit more efficient, um, better on it on the less carries. He had a little more powerful after contact, um, forced missed tackles at a higher rate, broke off big plays at a higher rate. And, and despite what the numbers say about reception, how Montreal got a little bit more in their receiving work. I think that, that given the high school profile and what I've seen from Etienne, um, gives him a plus in that, in that category. I think there's upside there. That's probably untapped right now. So he's definitely my preferred guy. He's the younger guy as well. Um, so there's just a lot more upside here for me when we're talking about ATN and Montreal Johnson is a fine running back. I just not sure if there's anything that I think is, a, it comes off as a lead about his profile. Is there anything that, that you're really loving when you think about Montreal Johnson? Okay. So like if we exclude the last three weeks, cause I can't, I can't explain that fall off. I just can't. Yeah. Um, I liked him. I still, I think I, I juggle in my head if I like him more or not than ETN because he is their traditional size. And ETN is coming in at five nine when it comes to like NFL draft time. He comes in at five eight. Like I don't like my running backs five eight and under. Like five seven is definitely the I don't want him at all. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm worried about size concerns. I rather the traditional size that Montreal brings to the table. Um, but I thought he's, I. <laughs> 
I like Montreux. I don't know where to put him, which usually isn't a good thing going into his final year before the NFL draft. So I, he's probably just a yeah. day three guy. But he could be an early day three not. guy. And then, uh, no, I was um, going to say, he he might not even enter the draft for all we know. He could well, be yeah. Well, I hope he does. I mean, obviously he's not going to get more of a workload at Florida. Like, I hope he doesn't think that. Like he's going to get yeah. like, all of a sudden. I'm worried carries. about what Florida is going to be as a team. That's a problem. Can he put up the kind of season that he thinks warrants NFL attention? I mean, I guess Damian Pierce didn't do much. So maybe if he looks at that. But. Yeah. There's always, and dude, there's always that one guy that like, you're like, well, I guess he checks all the boxes off. Like he could, he can win that award this year. He could win that award. He can be the road. Yeah. Johnson next year. He can be the, the, yeah, the, the day three guy that maybe we like bump them up a little bit so well, i guess that's interesting that you consider them a lot closer to etienne like i have them at least probably like a good like 15 spots away from each other like etienne i'm pretty sure i have as a top i want to say 17 back because i can't i don't know the exact number right now and i think montreal is probably somewhere in like my 30s so i got mantra 25 i'm moving them up i'm moving them before <laughs> i got them at 24 um, and i put etienne at, at 14 i'm just not sure i like I like a lot what I've seen from Etienne. I guess, I guess I'm just nitpicking because I'm a Montreal fan. I was originally a Montreal fan. I was like one of the first guys yeah. on him. And then the first community caught up. And then he, I'm not going to say disappointed, but Trevor Etienne definitely, definitely shined brighter than we all thought he was going to. Yeah, I think that's the thing, too. I was actually a little bit excited about Montreal Johnson, too. I taken some late stabs or whatever, and it wasn't exactly bad. I just, like, I think I just came way more impressed with what Etienne did, given, like, the situation and what I expected, yeah. I guess. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, with you there, it's kind of hard to dissect. I think both these guys make the NFL. I think both these guys are early day three at the worst right now. Um, I think it's very likely for Montreal to be an early day three, though. And then Trevor Etienne definitely has a little bit higher upside, just given what he's done as a freshman. So, Corey, is that is that it for Florida? That's it for Florida, man. I think that wraps up uh, the East for this evening. That- does that does uh thank god we're not doing the west this would be a three-hour podcast so <laughs> guys join us next week we will we will be doing the sec west hopefully georgia can figure out their locker room situation by then um nate marquise once again dude thank you for all your beautiful writings on the coaching articles we will be referencing that plenty so if you guys want to go check out nate marquise's articles they are on the website thank you for listening and from Corey and from mike good night and good luck.